Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. All right, welcome to part two. Uh, last week we talked about two main, ing- uh, we're collectively these two weeks are four main ingredients of just moving from spiritual stagnation to spiritual growth, closing that gap between, you know, why why is there why does the scriptures have so much promise and encouragement on this access I have with the, with God, but yet I often struggle feeling far, distant, disconnected. Um, from him. And so last week, the two ingredients that we were focusing on was essentially the attachment center and the bond that God wants to have with us and the joy that he has with us. And the bond in the sense of that it's a hesed bond. And I'm going to really focus on that word um, tonight and just go even deeper with that. God does want to be with us. He actually wants us securely attached to him more than he actually wants us thinking about him. And how do we know that? Because it's, it was, he designed our brains to operate that we are always first attached to him first. It's even how he came to us in salvation. He pursues and comes to us and binds himself to us even at our worst when there was no knowledge and understanding of, on our part of who he was. But yet we say yes. And he designed that in our brains because the attachment center, all you thrive, your body, your mind, and your emotions thrive out of the attachment center when the, attach, when the bonds you're experiencing are secure and safe. And so we focused on how accessing and, pers- and accessing that bond with, with the Lord and how with that bond always is a joyful bond, a love bond. Love bond as in said, in that picture of there's nothing you can do about it. You don't earn it. There's nothing. You don't work for it. You don't behave better for it. It's, his, it's a kind of love bond that is said in the way I said, not earn, full of mercy and grace, loving kindness. 
All right, and it's, a, it's relational. It's always relational. It's not just a concept of a promise. It's relational, and so is joy. The kind of bond the Lord wants to have with us is the joy being defined as in. He's glad to be with you. And that is exactly how joy is defined neurologically in your brain. It's not happiness. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has nothing to do with how well things are going. It has everything to do with when I'm with you, am I experiencing that you like being with me and I like being with you? And are you safe? Are you good? And when I can assess that in the second level of my brain, I am now having a good, safe, secure attachment with either you and with the, and I, we were designed to have that with the Lord. All right. And one of the things I wanted to emphasize from last week is science and scripture was showing us that you are transformed more by whom you love than by just simply thinking right and acting right. You are transformed more by whom you love than by simply thinking right and acting right. And why? Because love starts on that right side of the brain and God designed your brain for everything to start on the right side of the brain and end and move on over to the left side of the brain when you finally start to have conscious thought and thoughts, thinking, explaining. Okay. <laughs> so he made us in such a way this was a big focus last week he made us in such a way that secure attachment in the brain is literally all you need to experience to emotionally thrive even when the storms of life are raging on I can be aware of how near God is with me and tonight we're going to go even deeper last week we we exercised an approach that got us to access how near God was with us and it brought us joy and that's what how he designed it that's what he wants because he knows after that you're going to move your right brain remember is holds all your relationships all your emotions all your memories it is the relational engine in your brain you cannot interact with the Lord without that right brain so um, enjoying the Lord then requires being attuned with him, just like you and I. But you know what? I'm jumping ahead, so let me just pull back. Let me pull back. Okay, what I, was tr what I wanted to say, because I just really wanted to emphasize this. I wanted to emphasize that it is always possible to have a joyful journey with God when life is not joyful. Never confuse the two. I can be on a joyful journey with the Lord when my life is not joyful. And he designed it that way. Because I flow out of identity of who I am. We know that scripturally, right? We, we live and we walk out of who we are. We know that scripturally. I am a daughter of God, therefore I want to act like one. But how I can really walk in the fullness of how I walk out my identity has a lot to do with that right brain of mine, of being bonded, feeling the joy and safety of the Lord, 
and getting relationally attuned with him so that all regions of my right brain start firing. And where do they move up to? The top, which is your identity center, and that starts firing. And do you know when your top right brain starts firing up, it's all fired. All four in, in, in engines are, you know, the, how do we say that? All, all four cylinders. <laughs> all four cylinders are firing. That identity center is actually called the mat. It's the commander of your brain, your entire brain, not just the right side of the brain. It's the commander of the brain because it activates your will and your movement and your body. And you know this, lots of pain, low joy. You f what do you do? You're more lethargic. You're melancholy, right? Joy sits right next. Joy sits right next to your identity up there. God designed it that way. Joy shapes your identity. But you can't get up there until you hang out with God down here. And so your identity, when it's firing, it moves your body literally. It moves your body. It moves your will. And this is where that energy comes from. And you start doing what you were made to do. You start being in action who you were made to be. And it has nothing to do with your thinking. It has everything to do with to whom do I love? Remember Devakis? Devakis was that Hebrew word last, last week where it's like, God, it's a passionate love where you are permanently glued to each other until you are one. And that's how God described his love for you in the Old Testament. I have Devakis for you. Bind yourself to me. And he said that because he knew how he made you. All right, that was last week. <laughs> 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 thinking with God. All right. Do you have a friend or a sibling that when you, thinking with God is ingredient number three. Okay. Do you have that friend or sibling that when you're out and about with them and something happens and you look at each other and you just know what each other are thinking? Yeah. Right? And you know that you can read your friend really well, but you have not literally heard their thoughts. But you know. That's your right brain. That knowing, you're in sync. And that experience is called mutual mindsight. Mutual mindsight. That's an official term in science. With mutual mindsight, you synchronize your mental state with someone else and you see and know someone's thoughts without hearing them. Here's the best part you can experience mutual mindsight with God in real time. So God's always with us, always present. He's so near, and you know it. He deposits these divine thoughts in us all the time. But think about it. He, he, it, says, it says his thoughts and his ways are like too lofty for us to understand. So how in the world do we describe him and explain him? How do I even explain this? I mean, I need help. But he does it. He deposits these divine thoughts, honestly, in a form that's very limiting to our human brain, and we do our best effort to try to explain it. And that's what I'm going to try to do tonight. <laughs> so bear with me. So bear with me. <laughs> okay, so sharing a mutual mindset with God is having that knowing on what God is seeing, feeling, and saying in real time. 
in real time and then putting it into words. Okay, so, and I say real time because it's not just, what did you think about that, God? It's not listening. Let me tell you what, well, let me tell you what mutual mindset is not. It's not praying to God. All right, it's not thinking about him or meditating because that only requires one person. It's not even two-way journaling where you speak and then you wait for him to respond to what you said. All right, I want you to think about it as, it, I want you to think about it as similar to prophesying in the sense that um, you, you sense something bubbling up in you and you don't always have the words, right? You almost just know God wants, you just have this knowing, he's highlighting something, you have this knowing that you need to go say something and you don't always know what it says, right? Until you open your mouth and it's just there, right? You are experiencing a form of mutual mindsight with the Lord. Tonight we're gonna focus on the mutual mindsight in real time of you and him, where he starts just speaking to you about what he sees and hears and feels about you right now in real time. Because with prophesying, we're always prophesying to one another. But how often do we really prophesy over ourselves? All right. So mutual mindset is that thinking. Our minds are getting, when we, no, let me say that again. As soon when people try to understand mutual mindset, they start to think of thinking. And then they, when you think of thinking, <laughs> You lock down into conscious thought. You start locking down into reasoning and words. When this is when, but mutual mindset is an experience that is more of a sensing and a knowing on that right side of the brain that comes after you engage the Lord in a, in mindfulness you have to be fully now mindfulness is that it's a popular term being mindful mindfulness this is where it matters mindfulness in itself is not a righteous act but it's a beautiful healthy practice to get you to be present and aware so you start turning your attention and shifting your awareness of I'm now God and I are, are with each other right now so mutual mindset moves you or mindfulness moves you into mutual mindset. So it's almost like a sequence. Mindfulness prepares you for entering God. For en mindfulness prepares you for encountering God. Mindsight is having, experiencing the mind of God, but mutual mindsight is very intimate between you and him in real time. Are you tracking? <laughs> okay think of it like a sequence mindfulness is in itself is not a righteous act it's a preparation for encountering God because it's a practice of becoming very present and aware of just where you are right now you're not off in your thoughts thinking see when you're off in your thoughts thinking you're not present you're not aware and you know it you know when you're talking to someone and you start going off in your thoughts you've stopped being aware and present so mindfulness is just getting in that state with your body and your mind where you're just present and aware. And that shifts your attention to, I'm with him right now. We're with each other. Mindsight is having the mind of God. Mindfulness can move you into mindsight where you do. You could start meditating. Okay? 
but you're moving on over here in left brain. It's fine. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful practice. Meditation is in the, is scriptural. That, but tonight I'm talking about mutual mindset because it's mutual between you and him. Okay. That help? Okay. So whenever you doubt starts to creep in about this practice, I want to take you back to last week when we had all those verses in the book of Ephesians on access. God says, I delightfully pull you close. You have full access of me. You have direct access of me. And all of us have equal access. No one has more access to God than someone else. So this is, this, it, that, we need to keep that in mind of that you are literally accessing full direct access right now with him. Okay, so I'm going to jump on in. I'm wondering if I should review the levels. I think I should because there's a couple of new people. Is that okay? Re um, okay. Okay. And you can talk to me, too. Like, like you can motion to me. All right. And if you are taking notes, this is, like, what I was really working on in articulating this. Mutual mindset is entering a place where you con contemplative, con contemplatively, am I saying that right? Contemplatively sense and hear what God wants to share with you about what he, here it is, what he sees about you what he hears about you, what he feels about you, and what is he going to do about it. And when you're doing that, when you're, when you're experiencing that, and you're not doing it, when you're experiencing that, God is moving through the four levels of your brain. Level one is attachment. I'm with you. All right, you're not alone. Level two is assessment. It's assessment level. Um, when you bond with someone, they're personal and familiar, but are they safe? Are they good? All right? So level one is attachment. Level two is assessment. Level three is mutual mindset. I see you. I hear you. I understand you. I care about you. There's a validation of no matter what I see and hear about you, I'm still glad to be with you. That's level three. And experiencing that in real time and accessing what does he actually want to say when he see, like asking God, what do you see right, right now, right now? And then once that gets connected between the two of you, letting the Lord now move into identity where the action is, what do you want to do? What does God want to tell you that he wants to do about what he sees and hears? Okay, that's mutual. That is how you practice mutual mindset with the Lord. So let me pull out Psalm 3 to try to give you an example of this. Here we go. So I'm passing out Psalm 3 that gives you an example. And I'm going to try to move through this little bit quickly there's a lot here I'm not gonna probably say all this this was for um, I I 
was intentionally thorough for those who want to go back and keep reading and thinking about this, and, you know, to take home. Okay, so what I have on this sheet in front of you is Psalm 3. It's an example of David engaging into a mutual mind state with the Lord, even though he's experiencing negative emotions. And I'm going to go through telling you what's happening with the verses, and, and so you can see how the Lord was moving and firing, activating that right side of his brain to get David to end in faith. All right, verse ones and two, it's David focusing on the problems. Lord, I have so many enemies, so many who are against me. Verse two, listen how they whisper their slander against me. They're saying, look, he's hopeless. Even God can't save him from this. So clearly, David's attention is, uh, his focus is on the problem, and he's distraught. He's overwhelmed. And like David, if you get stuck here, this shuts off your ability to quiet yourself so that you can attune with the Lord. You can actually hear him. So you can actually access, what, do I, what does God feel towards me right now when I'm so distraught? And this is where we often get think, we move into our left brain and we think I have to fix this in order to feel better. But what I'm suggesting is this has nothing to do with circumstances, everything to do with the bond and the strength and the joy of the Lord in your life, even when he has, you have so many enemies. All right, so verses one and two, David's focusing on his problem. Then pause in his presence, that's in the scripture, pause in God's presence. It's so deliberate. Right even here, you see the value of the skill, the skill of quieting, where you're going to pause and get mindful and get aware of present. Stop just going off in your thoughts about what's going on and get mindfully quiet to become present, to enable you, to shift you from all these overwhelming feelings of fear, anger, you know, anxiety, to now I'm, I want to be aware that God is near me. So he pauses, and now we move into verses 3 through 6, and you're going to see the levels 1, 2, and 3 of the right brain being activated. And I, all I'm doing on that sheet, you see that I'm reviewing those levels for you. Verse 3, and I'm jumping down. But in the depths of my heart, I truly know that you, Yahweh, have become my shield. You take me and surround me with yourself. Your glory covers me continually. You lift my head. He, he, in the depths of his heart, he truly knows. That's not a thought. That's a knowing, that right brain knowing. See, right there, he's aware God is with him. He's like, then he, in aware that God is with me, He's now assessing, and he's good. He's strong. He's safe. And he says, and you, Yahweh, have become my shield. So he's experiencing presence. I know you're with me. I'm, he's experiencing safety, and you're my shield. And he's like, you take me, and you surround me with yourself. You see the bond he's experiencing? They're becoming mutually minded. And, and then he's like, your glory covers me. We're one. And he says, you lift high my head. That's a Hebraic metaphor for God sees me, or God will deliver me. It's beautiful. And then verse 4, I've cried out to you, Yahweh, from your holy presence, and you send me a father's help. This is level 3. God sees you, he, and he says, you lift my head, you see me. And he's like, and you hear me. 
And you don't just hear me. You respond relationally. You send me a father's help. You see that? In a way, in what's a father's help? It's intimate, relational, it's protective, it's a bond. The way a good father loves his son. And then again, pause in his presence. What's the value there? What, the same value we had last week when we practiced going, recalling a memory that brings us joy or gratitude. It's to relive it. Notice the difference in your body. David goes from distraught to now he goes to verse four. Then he recognizes God is there, recognizes God is safe, recognizes God sees me and hears me and responds to me. That's level one, two, three. And then he now, he experiences it in his body. He pauses and now look at him in verse five. And now I'll lie down and sleep like a baby. And then I'll awaken safety for you surround me with your glory. Look at the mutual mindset, the steadfast it brought him. And he says, even though 10,000 dark powers prowl around me, I'm not going to be afraid. Has his circumstances changed? No. What changed was he was comforted, validated, and now grounded in the presence of the Lord. And that's how we live. This is what causes us to flow out of identity more than anything else. This is why I say, to whom you love transforms you more than right thinking. Because look at his thinking a moment ago. He's distraught. Where are you? Look at all these people mocking me. And then he be, turns his attention, gets presently aware of God. And it changes him like that. Because he knows the bond of the Lord is good. And then that moves you to verse 7. This is level 4. This is that identity center where action takes place. And level seven says, rise up and help me, Yahweh. Come and save me, God, for you will slap them in the face. You will break the power of their words to harm me. Look at that attitude change. He just went from scared to brave. <laughs> and what I want you to see is this is where faith resides. Faith resides in your identity after you have been connected with the Lord. Now he knows what God will do for him. Now, because he remembers who he is. And after you go through all the levels in your right brain with the Lord, because this is how he made you, now you move on over to the left side. And you, God wants this, you, he wants that right and left side to synchronize. And look at verse 8. For the Lord alone is my Savior. Freedom and liberation come to your people. What a feast of favor and bliss he gives his people. He just moved from... I'm so bonded and bound to the Lord. I'm so now confident and good to now he's over here declaring and in his best words, explaining and describing now who God is and what he just experienced. You are my savior. Freedom and liberation do come to your people. See how he's, he's literally describing what even before he got it, what he's experiencing. And that's, that's what right and left brain looks synchronized. You like it? All right. You guys following me okay? All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, I think I may have. That's right. That's right. 
Yeah. And I and I and when I'm in a coaching session, I teach my clients how to write their own psalms. Mm -hmm. Like get it out, dump it out, dump it out in those first verses. Give it out, let it out. And now let's start. Let's start. Like let's access connection. Let's bond and let's find out who you are and who he is. That's right. Okay. Oh, that's my place. <laughs> It's okay. Exodus 3, 7, and 8 is a great example of God initiating and interacting with Moses, too, if you want to look it up. It literally, um, I won't read it, but Exodus 3, 7, and 8 talks about, I see you, I hear you, I care, and this is what I'm going to do about it. And that is literally the regions of your right brain, scientifically. Okay, but what we're going to do is... When the Lord was walking me through that divine pathway of healing that at first I thought was just for me until I realized, oh, this is how you made us, you know, and this is for everybody. I called this practice with myself and God, thinking with God, journaling. And when Gigi said, what do you want to title it? And I was like all over the place with titles. I just knew immediately I wanted to do thinking with God. But I realized as I was studying and preparing, oh, Vanderly, you need to back up and do a part part one. But this is really the practice I really want to introduce to you that you, um, it's called thinking with God journaling. But as I've looked this up, this is not unique. It's not new. You can find it in called thought rhyming and not phonetic rhyming, but rhyming your thoughts with the Lord. And you can call it, it's also called Emmanuel journaling, um, which I like, I like that title. I'm going to call it thinking with God or Emmanuel journaling for tonight. Expect what what Emmanuel journaling is, is that you expect God to not just listen to you, expect him to initiate the conversation with you. So often we bring something and then what do you want me to do? And you want a response from the Lord. This is an, him initiating a conversation simply to you about you. In thinking with God, journaling it is truly god noticing you god noticing you god describing what his what he's experiencing with you and what he sees hears and feels yeah i think i'm just going to jump in it i want to do it you ready Okay, all right. Thinking with God journaling. Um, yeah, so let me jump into it. All right. Um, we need to pass this out. It's going to take a moment. You want to turn off the... Yeah, well, I can click it. Okay, yeah. all right. So the, the best way to help you understand it is just to experience it. So that's why we're just going to jump into it. So what it is, is it's actually two pages.
Yeah, yeah. No, actually, it is, um, you want to be comfortable. So. So, Emmanuel Journaling, Thinking with God, this is a wonderful practice it's an you know for you to approach the lord especially when you are in the midst of stagnation grief experiencing negative emotions because god he knows when you're unable to come to him to think clearly he knows when you're not emotionally steady and you're overwhelmed by your pain and what happens is if you can't figure it out quickly enough you start to hide we start to hide from the Lord and we pull, we pull back. Or if you, you can't solve it, you can't solve the pain. Shame floods in more or anger floods in because you start to feel abandoned by the Lord simply because the problem's not solved. Emmanuel journaling reminds you that God sees you and he hears you. He notices you and he's not gone anywhere. You've never ever been abandoned. That is one of the most demonic lies from the pit of hell. And this journaling will remind you of what a big lie that is. And I believe God approaches us, us and initi initiating fullness and restoration simply because he loves you. Simply because he's love and he knows because he loved us first, now I'm going to turn around and love you. I'm going to get so secure in the love and the bond of the Lord that I can turn around and actually offer you something even though I'm in grief. And that's the higher purpose. I can actually bring heaven to earth in the midst of my grief simply because I keep experiencing the love of the Father. That's worth it. And when we do not expect God to notice us, when we don't expect him to initiate with us, we will begin to perceive he's distant. He's, uh, he's an unresponsive God that you have started to carve out in your own thinking and in your own, in the own lie, you will start worshiping an unresponsive God because it's a God you're making in your own mind, in your own image, not the one true God who's always quick and ready to notice you and initiate a conversation. So think of this as God wants to initiate something with you. But like David, after you brain dump all that crap going on inside of you, you shift your focus to say, I'm going to become present and aware. I'm here and you're here. And then God starts speaking. So Last week we started, I, when I am, um, when I'm experiencing um, stress, sometimes it's just tension of the day. Sometimes it's a bigger deal, you know, some, that is like going on in a whole long season of life. All right, I always start first just in the skill of becoming present. And did we do a little breathing last week? We didn't. 
okay? Because I don't underestimate, remember in the mind of God, body, mind, and emotions are never separated. So don't underestimate the value of breath work and breathing. That is your body synchronizing with your mind and your emotions because the Lord always wants them aligned. So when I'm in a state of, ugh, I always start with breath work. I just start, and that's how I get my body aware and present to just getting out of my head and back into my body with Jesus. So we're gonna start there, and then I'm gonna and you just I'm gonna just have you guys follow me. So be, get comfortable, and then my favorite is they call it box breathing. And when you breathe in, you can imagine drawing a line hold your breath and breathe out and you drew another line hold your breath breathe in line hold your breath breathe out you made another line in your in your mind's eye and what you did with four breaths two inhales two exhales you drew a box okay and it helps guide your breathing for those who don't do this easily okay so breathe in hold breathe out Breathe in, hold, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. One more time, breathe in, breathe out. Okay, just for a brief moment, I want you to just think of something that has brought you appreciation, like gratitude or joy in the last few days. Something small, big, it doesn't matter. Just remember it, think of it and remember it. And once you get it in your head, just relive it for about 30 seconds and enjoy it. Enjoy the memory. And it doesn't have to be extraordinary lofty. It just has to be something that you enjoy and notice it in your body. Hopefully you feel that enjoyment just starting to just run through your body, relaxing you. Title it. And ask the Lord, what's your, what do you want to, why was this moment of gratitude or joy highlighted to me? What about this memory do you want to say to me? It's amazing how the Lord will speak just through the title. And sometimes it's just as simple as my porch memory. But see, as soon as I remember porch, I feel it. Now we're going to move into want you to turn that page and this is we're moving into that mutual mindset with the Lord imagine God I want you to come up with something that feels negative and hard right now in your life big or small I think you need to just flip it over on the first page just get the thought in your mind get the situation or the feeling yes yeah, we turn the page and it says thought rhyming. Mm-hmm. I didn't ha- I didn't give you guys a moment to write out the interactive because I just wanted to move you in. Yeah. 
Now we're going to flip the page, and this is where you're going to start writing. Imagine God seeing whatever that inner, that thing that's on your mind, okay? He knows it. And stay there with him. And what you're going to be with him and don't write till the end. You'll move into your left brain and you'll it'll get wonky. All right. I want you now to start. God, this is it. I'm telling you about it. This is it. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you don't even have to describe it because we're not talking and responding. We're just being. He knows what's on your mind. You've chosen it. And now you're just waiting for him. And he's going to start telling you first, I see you. What does he see? Does he see you pacing? Does he see your Does he see your jaw keeps clenching at night, grinding? Does he see those muscles so tense in your head, I mean in your shoulders, because of the burden? Does he see how you've been behaving as a result of what the load you're carrying? What does he see? Let him tell you. He hears you. He hears everything you're saying, spoken and unspoken. What's he hearing? Why is this taking so long, God? Why didn't my prayer work? Why is this so hard? What does he hear you saying? What have you not said that he already hears? Hear him tell you what he hears. God knows you well, and he wants to validate your experience with compassion. He understands how big this is for you. He understands how you feel. Let him tell you what he understands about what he sees and hears you going through. And move into, imagine God, just imagine his smile now. Remember in your presence is fullness of joy. That means there is an abundance joy I feel because I see the joy on God's face because he's happy to be with me. God is still glad to be with you no matter what. And he sees your weaknesses tenderly. That's foundational. Until you can sit in your weaknesses and feel the tenderness of the Lord, you will not know how to give that to others. What does God want to say to you about being glad to be with you, seeing your weaknesses with tenderness and compassion with a loving eye? There's no disappointment, no judgment. He's just moving in, being one with you, even in this weakness, even in this struggle. How does God want to be with you right now? Pause in his presence to notice it in your body, how you feel, what it feels like to be seen and heard. You cannot rebuild your life without comfort and validation. The Lord always wants to comfort and validate you before he rebuilds you. So you stay in this moment until that's there. And you don't move until you have it with him.
If your thoughts rambled and you started to stray, you just go right back to the last spot you were that you felt the most engaged with him. And the final one is, remember that last one was God just speaking you tenderly, who are you to him? Who are you to him? Does he call you by a nickname? And after that, the final one is five. Where out of your identity will always flow wisdom. So number five is God speaking to you. Let him tell you, I can do something about what you're going through. I can do something about this. I can give you everything you need. What does the Lord want to say to you about what he wants to do, about what he sees and hears? If you start to feel dissatisfied, edgy, tense about the last part of what God wants to do, you're moving into the left brain, starting to, I, need a, I want a solution now. Come back. What is the Lord saying? Get one mind with him again. He speaks tenderly to you. The one he loves, what does he want to do? What does he want to do with the one he loves? In our anger, we get entitled for him to do something for us. But tonight, the focus is with us. And when I sense it just an ending, thoughts are stopped flowing, but there's peace, I start journaling what I remember, what I recalled. If you got stuck somewhere, I just keep going backwards. I'll go all the way back to breathing if I have to. I'll go back to that gratitude memory that just felt good to enjoy. What you're doing is, it's the antidote of bring it to God, come to me, lay it down. But not lay it down and never think about it again, because you know that doesn't work. It just pops right back in your head and then you feel guilty. And then we do this, lay it down, and walk away, lay it down, walk away. No, you lay it down, and not, you lay it down before him and say, tell me what you see. Tell me what you hear. Tell me what you feel about me. That's how you lay it down. Because lay it down is God, he says, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary, and I give you rest. At the end of Emmanuel journeying and experiencing mutual mindset, there should be a sense of some rest and peace in your body, a little bit more than what you had when you started. And the more you do this, it does get, you access it easier and it gets more and more. But it's not a lay it down so I stop thinking about it and God's just got it. It's a come to me so that you do this with me. That's the antidote. To encounter the, the presence of God and with an expectation that he restores, you have to be, you have to access to be with him. And comfort, validation, attuning moves you into faith so sometimes we want to skip all that and just be full of faith and what it is is it's like faith over fear faith over fear we like it on our mugs but the faith over fear ends up being the faith is actually a mask for insecurity for fear even though it's faith over fear it's a mask of fear when you have faith but you're not having peace when peace is the presence of God, 
So before the Lord, if he's not speaking to you about what he wants to do with you, no problem. He's got it figured out. What he cares about is I want to comfort you. I want to validate you before I start rebuilding you. And if you don't feel comforted by me yet, if you don't feel the presence of the Lord flowing through you, blowing a whistle on all your anxiety, it's okay. Stay there. The rebuilding comes with comfort and validation. It doesn't ever come before. You don't get comforted because he rebuilt you. No, you get comforted first, and then he rebuilds. Peace is the ruling presence of God in us. And so the question is, what's the difference between going into scripture um, and trying to get that truth and feel what we're, you know, going after the promise of the peace of God in your life, but sometimes you don't experience that. Is that yeah. Okay. Yeah, the difference is you can actually go into the written word mm-hmm. or this reading. Right. Process. Yep. And both are important because there is the equal value of the, the logos and the rhema, the written word and the, and the breathing living word. And so this is, I do actually have exercises of how to engage your right brain into the written word so that you are experiencing it. Okay, um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, um, and it's, I, like when I'm, when I'm reading the written word, like before I even let myself start thinking of it, I immediately move into imagining it, you know, something, um, I immediately ask the Lord, um, like I get present with him, right? Like he's, he is the living word. So he's, he's loving this. So, you know, um, you know, imagine with me, Lord, sanctify my imagination, you know, to start, giving me a picture an imagery of what i'm reading and drop me in it where are you in that picture where am i in that picture because remember that right your relational engine's all on that right side it's really it's it is relationships and emotions so all i'm doing is relationally engaging into scripture before i think about scripture and then to speak on why i do emphasize this is because and i do i do to grab your hand is because some it depends the if the motivation is going to scripture to make me feel better and you're not experiencing the comforting peaceful presence of the lord then um it's just changing gears to access the presence of god if it's not in how i'm how i am thinking about and engaging scripture because the god designed everything to start with attachment and safety so if you don't have a loving bond, if you're not sensing that with the Lord, with scripture, he, no problem. He made us this way. So this is where Rhema comes in. This is where the spirit of the Lord comes in. I just, I, all I'm doing is just shifting my attention on how, how to be first. So when you're imagining scripture, all you're doing is just taking scripture to imagine it. Your brain doesn't know what's real or not. It's, it's a, it treats it like it's a memory. And now it wants to attach other memories to the imagination you just created. And it will create its own structure, its own neurological pathway to find itself over on the left side to make a conclusion about it. For years, like over a decade, part of a, this was just a divine, this was just a, with the Lord, I would just literally, I would just close my eyes because I'm waiting to see him smile at me and that's it 
And see, I just immediately can. I'm like, did you just feel it? Yeah. And so, where, so like my friends used to tease it because they're like, <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know until I studied did I know what I was doing. I'm like, I was just, I'm just seeing, I'm just looking for his smile. But I just, and I just noticed in my body, I see it easier when I do this than when I do this. Um, well, it's actually, it's really beautiful. You know how the Lord calls us uh, stiff-necked um, in the Bible? So, um, so every emotion has its, own, has its own molecular structure. Shame is the least flexible molecular structure. Every emotion can change from one molecular structure to the next, from one emotion to the next, and just change molecularly, instantaneously. Shame is the least flexible and elastic, and it goes right into the neck. It's pretty interesting. So when you're like this, I believe your body is just responding in humility before the Lord. God shows us his will for transformation in us. We've been talking about how it's designed in the, in the brain. Around age 12, the brain goes through a structural change that balances your individual identity with your group identity. From this point on, from around age 12, your group identity is key player in the formation of your character more than individual identity. Why did God do that? Because we were never meant to live alone. The individualistic idea is more of a Western mindset. It was never God's intention. He does want diversity. He, want, he expects differences, but there has to be a shared group identity that, that we know this is who we are, and this is how we protect it. And we do it by, through that chesed bond, through joy, through being tender and when people are vulnerable, being tender to their weaknesses, but also lifting them up in, in correction and not letting it go. That's, you, with... We could have a really strong bond with the Lord. We can be experiencing the joy that he's glad to be with us. But if it's not experienced the same way with each other, you do lose an element of spiritual thriving. We were always meant to do whatever, the things we've been practicing for two weeks also with one another. You can't have, it was never meant one or the other. It was always meant for both. Yeah. <laughs> so I did really want us to end with just like practicing just empathetic listening over what we shared, but you know, we did run out of time. So I think I'm going to, that's just, it seems like an abrupt ending, but that's how I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.